The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I think I'm different than those guys. Uh, I know my work ethic is uh, unmatched. Um, and just my dedication and my passion to wanting to be great is, is just another level so um in terms of you know of course the past quarterbacks i I can't control that and of course if you know the the only similarity that me and those guys have is that we we wore the same uniforms i've watched their tape and stuff i've I've got a chance to watch a lot of um you know everybody but 49ers specifically obviously they run a lot of wide zone they also have a great fullback so they can run power and they do a bunch of good play pass off of that so outside zone sprint out stuff um you know obviously their drop back passing game is really similar to what we did with sark um, and, you know, some of their motions that they use, I noticed they got the, the boomerang motions and the cap motions across the ball fast. So that's all stuff that I'm really familiar with. Um, and obviously it's a super quarterback friendly offense and they have great playmakers there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to just learning more about that. I'm sure Jimmy was a little a little pissed off from it, just like I would be, too. Um, but me knowing Jimmy, he'll be fired up and come in and he'll work his butt off. And um, knowing Jimmy, it Usually, the more mad Jimmy gets, usually the better he gets. Um, so it's, you know, Jimmy just it gets madder and he stays healthy. I mean, this is going to be a, a good thing for Jimmy, too, um, which could be a great problem um, for the 49ers. Um, so I'm, I hope Jimmy's all right with it and I expect him to be. And I'm excited to have him come in here and see what he's been doing when he's away. And um, hopefully we'll have a team here that uh, we can work and practice with, which, as John just said, I, I think will eventually happen. Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Kyle Shanahan, three of the biggest names of the week. And every week in the offseason is its own little universe of things that happen that cause us to view teams and players differently and how much has changed since last Friday when we were surprised, to say the least, by the news that the San Francisco 49ers had moved from 12-3 to to clearly lock on to a quarterback we still don't know which one we think it's mac jones we heard from him earlier but shereen what we're going to do on this friday edition of pft live is look at the week that was with a scale of one to ten assessment of the various items that emerged 
I don't remember ever doing this before. Maybe we have. Maybe it's the Pfizer vaccine talking, but I'm looking forward to giving this a try, which means get ready. It's about to go off the rails. Let's begin. How likely is it that Jimmy Garoppolo will be on a different team in week one? Scale of one to ten, with obviously ten meaning the most likely he'll be on a new team. Well, I'm not going to be as convinced as you are, I don't think. I'm only a six on this, and simply because I don't know that the 49ers are going to get what they want to get from Jimmy G. They can afford to keep him on the team. I think he might end up being the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, for the 49ers. In other words, he's going to start the season at quarterback, and then by the bye week, he's gone, and the new guy comes in and is ready to take the reins, and Jimmy G's out the door after the season and trade. The problem they face in trying to trade him is teams are mostly set at quarterback right now. Now, there's still some looking we know, but at what point are they going to trade him? If they don't do it by the draft, and I don't think they will because I don't think they'll get the offer they like, then I think he's going to end up being on the team, Mike, uh, in this season. And whether he plays or not, I guess that's the big question. They'll have to determine whether that rookie is ready to come in and start right away. So I'm probably not as convinced as you are that, that he's going to be gone before the season starts. I'm at a nine, and here's why I'm at a nine. I believe they have a plan. They have a float chart. They didn't go into this trade without knowing that they're going to have to do something with Jimmy G. The reason they're making the trade for a new quarterback is because Garoppolo is not the future, even though he's still fairly young. He could play for a lot longer. He came into the league 14 years after Tom Brady, for crying out loud. But they know he's not the guy because they can't trust him to stay healthy. He's been injured too often, 23 games missed in three years. The flow chart, though, I think gets complicated very quickly. It's almost as complicated as the red yarn behind Conspiracy Mike. A, a photo that we've used pretty much every day this week, and it's probably just a matter of time before it comes up again. But you'd like to maybe, maybe trade him before the draft or during the draft. Maybe you've sprinkled enough intrigue out there to get someone who doesn't get the quarterback that they're hoping to get in round one to make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a trade that would entail, I believe, Garoppolo taking less than he's due to make. That's the one thing I believe... 20 on a scale of 1 to 10, he's not making $25 million this year. The question is, will that reduction come as part of a trade to a new team, or will it be a situation where the 49ers find themselves with Garoppolo on the roster in the middle of August, they're convinced that their rookie is ready to go, they're concerned about the possibility of a, wait for it, schism in the locker room between the Garoppolo crowd and the rookie third overall pick crowd, so they go to Garoppolo and they say, we can't pay you $25 million this year. We just can't. We can't. We paid you a ton of money over the past several years. Thank you. It took a little while, but, but better never than late. The, <laughs> but they go to Garoppolo in the middle of August, late August, and say, we want you to take 15. And if you don't take 15 or 13 or whatever they think is the right number, we're going to cut you. And, and that's the point where he's out of options, Shireen, because no one else is going to sign him and give him that kind of money. In late August. And we've seen that happen time and again with the NFL and players who don't have guaranteed contracts. There's a right time to squeeze them. And I, I, I think that he's a guy that, if all else fails, could get dumped by the 49ers if he refuses to take less money. He may ultimately realize it's better to take 15, 13, 12, whatever, than become a free agent a week before the start of the season with everyone set on their depth chart. And there's the other possibility, the Teddy Bridgewater angle, that 
somebody's going to get injured. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to jinx anyone, but if a quarterback gets injured in August, all of a sudden you have a trade market for a guy for which there wasn't a trade market, just like the Eagles five years ago got a one and a four for Sam Bradford and were able to move directly and immediately to Carson Wentz. Yeah, that absolutely could happen, Mike. And that's probably the the best case scenario for the 49ers and obviously the worst case scenario for whoever has to trade for him. I think it's going to say a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo if he doesn't end up back in New England because we know the Patriots are looking for that franchise guy. Yes, they have Cam Newton, but I'm not sure they're convinced that Cam Newton is the guy. Otherwise, they give him a long-term contract, right? So I think that... You know, they're still looking for that guy, and Jimmy was destined to be that guy, we thought, and then they traded him to the 49ers, and he wasn't that guy, and now they have a chance probably to get him back, and if they don't get him back, to me, that's that speaks a little bit about what the Patriots think of, of Jimmy Garoppolo, Mike. And remember the comments earlier this week, Jermaine Wiggins, former NFL tight end, was with the Patriots for their first Super Bowl run yeah. on WEEI, said that some of the guys on that team – look at Jimmy G sideways and wonder, can they trust him? Can he stay healthy? Will he be able to show up and play? That's the indictment. That's why the 49ers are getting rid of him. Now, it doesn't help that he freaked out Kyle Shanahan in the 2019 playoffs to the point that Shanahan made him into Bob Greasy with eight passes thrown in the entire NFC Championship win over the Green Bay Packers. But it's not about his play. It's not about his ability to run the offense. It's about his inability to play. That's why they're moving on. And I, I if I... I don't think any fan base should want him to be the guy unless you feel pretty damn good about who the backup is. And you're right. If the, if the Patriots aren't at the front of the line to try to acquire Garoppolo at a reduced contract, like they did with Trent Brown this year, when the Raiders were done with him and we're going to cut him eventually Patriots swoop in, do a low draft pick deal, pay him less, let him become a free agent next year. I, I, if that doesn't happen with Garoppolo, then maybe that tells us everything we need to know about how other teams should view him. Speaking of the 49ers and that move up to number three, scale of one to 10, how locked into Mac Jones are the 49ers, uh, given that they now hold that third pick after Trevor Lawrence and presumably Zach Wilson go off the board? I'm going to go with an eight on this one, Mike, and I'm going to leave it open-ended because we don't know for certain who the teams before them are going to pick. Like, we think Jacksonville is going to take Trevor Lawrence, and we know uh, what Urban Meyer told Peter King, that it was trending that way, whatever, whatever. I mean, we expect that to happen, and we expect the Jets, right, to, to take Zach Wilson, but we don't know that for sure. So I think there's a, at least a little bit of uncertainty on the 49ers' part of, Okay, if somebody happens to take Mac Jones, then we we are ready to take Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence or whoever that might be. So that's probably the only reason I'm leaving it open. I know I've seen a couple 49ers writers throw out the name Trey Lance, and they, they think that the 49ers are going that direction, but I still think all the signs seem to point to Mac Jones as the next quarterback of the 49ers. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first pick in the draft. I don't think there's any if about it. I think Urban Meyer was just trying to preserve a little sliver of mystery. Barring some sort of an unexpected event, some sort of a of a barber chair mishap when he gets his hair cut before the draft, and I'm officially old when I say Trevor Lawrence, get a haircut. But barring something like that, he's going to be 
the first overall pick. And it's pointing to Wilson at two. I think this Trey Lance stuff that's being planted by the 49ers is part of a Jedi mind trick. They, they know what they're hearing about the Falcons being interested in Lance. And we know what the 49ers did four years ago when the Bears traded up one spot in the top five. Maybe they do a flip-flop three and four. If they are convinced the Falcons are going to take Trey Lance, they slide to four, they still get Mac Jones, and they get back some of what they gave up to move from 12 to three. I really do think that the Lance angle is a smokescreen, and maybe they can get the Falcons, if they truly believe the Falcons are looking at Lance, to go up to number three and make that move. And then it would be something if the Falcons went up to number three and took Mac Jones, but then the 49ers could take Trey Lance and say, that's the guy we were going to take all along anyway. But there's some risk there. I think it's nine. I think it's Jones, uh, barring something unexpected, unforeseen. I believe Sims, even though Sims doesn't know what Shanahan is thinking now, Sims has known Shanahan long enough to have an understanding of the way he thinks and the way he would think in this situation. And this is the ultimate litmus test for whether or not Sims really does know Shanahan. Because if it's not Mac Jones, I'm never listening to anything that Sims ever has to say again about what Kyle Shanahan may or may not want because his barometer has been completely and totally busted by this Mac Jones prediction. All right, let's move on to Justin Fields, who going into the season – it was Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. And Justin Fields kicked the crap out of Trevor Lawrence's team in the BCS semifinal playoff. I can never get that order of words exactly right. Regardless, Justin Fields was looking good, but now he's fading. So scale of one to 10, how much do you buy into this narrative that Justin Fields is being underrated and overlooked, given the idea that there is a sense out there that he's maybe fifth out of the five top quarterbacks. I'm a one on this, Mike, because I think this is all media driven. And I would say stop the drama on this because we don't know how all 32 teams are thinking. Nobody does. There's no media person out there who knows what all 32 teams are thinking and where they have Justin Fields ranked on their big board, right? The 32 teams don't know where the 32 teams have Justin Fields on their board. Somebody has him above five. I I just, I feel like he's going to be where he should go and wherever that is, and I do think it's going to be in the top 10, but wherever that is, who cares? Who cares? You're still going to be a first-round draft pick. Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first quarterback drafted in his draft class. He should have been. But he wasn't. Justin Herbert last year wasn't the first quarterback drafted in his draft class. Probably should have been, but he wasn't. So it doesn't matter how dare how you or low you go. How, how dare you speak ill of Joe Burrow? I agree with you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't make any difference, Mike, where you're drafted. You come in, you play, you prove yourself. A lot of people think Justin Fields is going to be a really good quarterback in this league, and some team is going to commit to him, and he's going to get his opportunity. Look, I think there's going to be panic buying when it comes to drafting quarterbacks. We talked earlier in the week, either on the morning show, the afternoon show, maybe both. I can't remember. I had my COVID vaccine yesterday. That's my excuse for anything that I screw up for the next two weeks until it fully kicks in. I'm going to use that as a blank check. Regardless, the idea that 
because quarterbacks, number one, are so much better coming into the league. I think they're doing a better job, the teams are, of scouting them and also adapting to their skills and avoiding their weaknesses. When you get a guy who is the guy, you've got your position solved for at least 10, maybe 15 years. Maybe you get lucky and you can stretch it all the way to 20, given the way these guys are playing, given the way they're obsessed with fitness and diet and doing everything they can to be cyborgs 24-7, 52 weeks out of the year. That's the most important position. It already was. It's even more important. And where are you going to get that great quarterback? You're going to get him at the top of the draft. And if you swing and miss, you're going to be right back there in a few years to try it again. And you keep trying until you get him. So I think that the idea that Fields is being overlooked is a little overblown. And I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but there was an analyst on another network who stepped in something brown and smelly this week and has spent some time scraping it off of his shoe, all because he fell victim to the time-honored tradition of teams who secretly love a guy spreading negative stuff in the hopes that he falls. And eventually, in the shoe-scraping process, said analyst finally acknowledged that. Well, if you would have been thinking about that before you ever said anything about the guy, before you passed along any of the negative stuff that gets said every year about every prospect because there's teams out there that want him to fall and they want people in the media to spread the BS. That's why I never listen to the anonymous opinions of scouts and I never listen to anyone in the league who tells me or tries to tell me, I don't like this guy because of this. I don't like this guy because of that. I've done this long enough to know that they want to find a way to get that guy to slide so they can get him, Shireen. And I think some of that's been going on, particularly with Justin Fields. It happens every year, Mike. Just go back and look in the history. And it, it more times than not, it's with the quarterbacks. But we hear it over and over and over again. But wait, Mike, you didn't give us 1 to 10. Which, so what's your scale? Are you a 1 with me on this? Like I always know when Matt Casey is instigating. Okay, Shereen, you can't sell no, it. He you didn't. can't sell it. I know it's wow. No, wow. he really maybe, didn't well, maybe, on maybe, this one. Maybe maybe she's maybe she's she's learned the patterns. I'll say that that it is. What did you say it was a one? I said a one. Did you say it was a one. I'll say a two then, just because I don't want to say it was a one since you said it was a one. But it's low. It's low. <laughs> I I think that there's a lot of good there. There's a lot of good there. Um, and I, I know. Hey, I know from doing this for 20 years now that scouts do get enamored with what a guy does on a big stage. And what he did against Clemson that night was spectacular. You can't just wipe that away just because time has passed and there's going to be somebody out there that, I mean, we wouldn't have guessed a week ago that the 49ers had fallen in love with Mac Jones or whoever they're going to take at three. They've quietly and secretly fallen in love with someone. You got five top quarterbacks in this draft. Chances are there are one or more teams that believe that each of those guys is the guy for them. So I think that it is a low possibility, and that leads into our next question. How likely is it that five quarterbacks will get drafted in the top ten, the five being Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, maybe not in that order? I'm going to go with the five. I do think it's a possibility. I also think it's a possibility that one of those guys could follow the top 10, but none of them are going to have to wait that long. There's no question about that. They're going to be in the top. 
top half of this draft. There's going to be that run on quarterbacks, as you said. They always go higher than we think they could go. And I don't think it's out of the question either that Kellen Mond goes late in the first round like Lamar Jackson did a couple years ago, three years ago. I think that definitely could happen, that we could have six quarterbacks go in the first round of this draft because a team could panic and say, well, we're not going to get the guy we really wanted, and we really wanted a quarterback out of this draft. So they're going to go quickly, Mike, and they're not going to have to wait long to hear their names called. Top half of the draft for sure. Top ten, I'm not quite willing to go quite that far. There have to be some trades for that to happen when you look at the teams that aren't going to draft a quarterback there. But there's already been one. I'd say between one. the the three teams that we know, I mean, we're already at three. The question is, will there be two taken in the next seven picks when you consider that three are coming off the board right out of the gates? And you've got the Falcons, who may or may not be locked into Trey Lance. You've got the Panthers, who clearly are looking for a franchise quarterback. And you've got the Broncos, who are looking for anyone other than Drew Locke. That's three more teams right there. After the first three teams take quarterbacks, I'm going to say it's an eight, eight and a half that we're going to have five taken in the top ten. I'm holding out hope for five taken in the top five. If if, if we're going to really go all in with this ultimate reality show that is the NFL draft that begins in 27 days, yes, let's do it. Let's go five for five. Let's show how important the quarterback position is, and let's have that run on them right out of the gates. All right. Next question, before we can pose it, it requires some sound from earlier this week. Patriots owner Robert Kraft talking about the struggles that his team has had when it comes to finding talented players in the draft. Really, the teams who draft well are the ones who will be consistently good. I don't feel we've done the greatest job the last few years, and I really hope and I believe I've seen a different approach this year. And, you know, in the end, it all comes out to what happens on the field and how well people execute. And you really don't know a draft, how good a draft is for at least two years. We have a situation where we have, you know, at this point in time, um, we're trying to do what the best thing for us is. You know, I think. In fairness to Cam, I'm not sure he had the proper weapons around him last year, and then he got COVID, and there were a lot of things that happened. And I don't know that Jared has ever really gotten a fair shot, so we we have to wait and see what happens. And this isn't something where you get algebraic formulas. Uh, think of all the a personnel wizards who passed for six rounds on Tom Brady. And so one way or another, we have to get that position solidified. Okay, so how much of Robert Kraft's very candid comments regarding the Patriots roster and their difficulties in drafting are a shot at Coach Bill Belichick? Scale of 1 to 10, Shireen. Well, I I think we need some clarification here, an intentional shot or just the the fact that Bill Belichick drafted those players and didn't draft the right players. In other words, was it an intentional shot at Bill Belichick or just him speaking reality? But I don't think he intended it to be that intentional shot at Bill Belichick, but facts are facts. So 
I guess I'm around it as six on this, um, but but facts are facts, and the Patriots haven't drafted well. They haven't developed that talent, as you keep pointing out, and that's just something that leads them to where they are today because they don't have the franchise quarterback. They've had to go out and spend big in free agency, tons of money in free agency to try to improve that roster because the drafts haven't worked out, and they've traded far too much Sit where you are and take the best player available, and they just haven't done that because Bill Belichick thinks he can outwit other people, and it hasn't worked out for them in these recent drafts, Mike. You came dangerously close to the Bruce Arians. I'm not ripping anybody. I'm just being honest. Excuse for Bob Kraft. Exactly. It is a shot. It's clearly a shot. And as we've discussed, it's not just drafting. It's drafting and developing. Because it's not like they're making these ridiculous picks that people are saying, who the hell is that guy? He wasn't even on anyone's board. They're drafting NFL-caliber talent. They're not developing that NFL-caliber talent. Regardless of whether you've drafted a guy in round three that you should have drafted in round six, he's still a draftable player and you're not developing him. I think that's part of it. But I think the shot here, when I heard it and listened to it, and he said that he's seen some things this year that makes him think the draft this year is going to be better than it's been in recent years. I think it's a shot at Casario, Nick Casario, now the GM of the Houston Texans. And, you know, we've seen the Patriots keep the people they want to keep. And when they wanted to keep Casario, they kept Casario. All of a sudden, Casario's the GM of the Patriots, or the Patriots, the Texans, excuse me. I think the Patriots had gotten to the point where they were ready to move on from Casario. And if they weren't, he'd still be there. I think it was more of a shot at him than Belichick. So I'm going to say it's a four of a shot at Belichick. And I think the people in the building understand where the problems were in recent years. And now they're trying to rectify those issues. And I love the candor from Bob Kraft. And, you know, people act like it's something new. It's not new. It's just Sharini hasn't had to do it since 2000. When you're great for 20 years, you never have to be honest about anything that would be negative about the people running your football team. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mike hasn't had had to fire a head coach, right? Hasn't had to find that franchise quarterback in a really long time. So they've been smooth sailing for two decades. And until Tom Brady left, that's the that's the way it was. We talked earlier about the three categories of teams, teams with franchise quarterbacks, teams desperately looking for franchise quarterbacks and teams that have a guy that may or may not become one. Patriots like Washington, category number two. Here's Robert Kraft talking about the departure of Tom Brady from New England a year after he exited for Tampa and won a championship. I would have loved for him to have retired as a Patriot. Everybody knew that. But in life, things just happen in a way that you have to balance a lot of things. After 20 years, I thought he was entitled to make a decision that was what he thought was best for him and where he was. And, you know, we gave him the ability to do that. You know, it's like marriages sometimes. No one knows on the outside everything going on, and you try to balance a lot. And it is what it is. Look, we could have contract-wise kept him in our camp, but it's just not the right thing. And... Naturally, we we want to win, but who knows what would have happened if he stayed here. Look what happened at the end of his last season here. So the question attached to that soundbite, Shereen, how much do you believe Robert Kraft regrets 
not keeping Tom Brady in 2020 and potentially beyond scale of one to 10. Oh, the lies we tell ourselves. He's looking (laughs) back at Tom Brady's last year, throwing the pick six at the end of the Titans game and them losing. But he knows in his heart of hearts, they might have won another Super Bowl if they had kept Tom Brady. I'm a 10 on this. I think there's huge regret on his part, not necessarily Bill Belichick's part, but on Robert Kraft's part, huge regret after seeing the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl that Tom Brady wasn't his quarterback and doing that for the New England Patriots and doing it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers instead because, you know, his legacy is always going to be in New England. We understand that, but this has just added another layer to Tom Brady that maybe he didn't need the Patriots to do what he did. See, I'm going to say it's a three, and I'm only saying it's three instead of one because the fact that Brady won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers will bump it up a little higher. I just don't think that Kraft is the kind of guy who's going to regret moves that are made as a result of strategic decision-making, understanding of all of the risks, a realization of the way that things may go and could go and will go. It was time for the Patriots and Tom Brady to go their separate ways. What the Patriots did last year is the exact opposite of what the Steelers did with Ben Roethlisberger this year. The Steelers should have ripped off the Band-Aid this year with Ben Roethlisberger, and I firmly believe by the time we get to November, December, one or both sides will regret that they didn't. The Patriots decided, and I disagree with you, Shereen, I don't think they win a Super Bowl last year with Tom Brady because the rest of the team wasn't good enough. That's the thing. If the team is otherwise good enough, then we keep Tom around and try to win one more. The team's not good enough for a 43-year-old quarterback to come in and make the difference the way he made the difference in Tampa Bay. So let's just do it now. Let's let him move on now. And when he talks about the concept of marriages and to the outside, it's viewed one way. There was dysfunction between Brady and Belichick. Brady had had enough of Belichick. And look, Belichick is the kind of guy that I don't know where the shelf life of dealing with Belichick ends, but it's somewhere between two years and 20 years. And Brady was well past his lifetime supply of dealing with Bill Belichick. And I think that was a big part of it. So even if they wanted Brady, it was clear that Brady was ready to move on. And I think Brady recognized that the team around him wasn't nearly good enough to get him that seventh Super Bowl championship that he wanted so badly. Yeah, no question about that. I do agree with you on that part, Mike. But I think there's a difference between Brady's relationship with Belichick and Brady's relationship with Robert Kraft. Completely different relationships. I think Kraft and and Brady have a tight relationship. And I think Kraft really wanted Tom Brady to finish his career with the New England Patriots. And it didn't happen, right? He's gone on to win a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. You're right. They, They probably wouldn't have done it in New England with the team they had. But who's to say that Tom Brady couldn't have recruited all those guys in New England? Now, Maybe Bill Belichick says we're not recruiting all these guys in New England, but maybe Robert Kraft steps in and say, hey, this is what Tom Brady wants. Give him one more chance to win a ring. So maybe they end up with some of those guys that Tampa Bay got to come uh, to them this year. But the, based on what they had on the field last year, yeah, they weren't going to win a Super Bowl with whoever they had at quarterback, Mike. No question about that. Well, but I do think they wanted him to retire as a Patriot. Gronk wasn't coming back to New England. He got the hell out of there because he reached his lifetime limit of Bill Belichick. And there's no way Antonio Brown was coming back to New England. So they would have had a hard time getting even to the playoffs with Tom Brady last year. And uh, if if anything, what happened last year with Brady. 
for the Patriots How this year? How many wins is he worth, though? Yeah, they went 7-9. and oh. nine. How many more wins did they get with Tom Brady? I, maybe they go 9-7. and seven. And maybe they just maybe they barely get in as as the seven seed and get and and lose. Well, they would have the had to win ten round. though. They would have had to win well, ten to get. To then they wouldn't have gotten in nine and seven, and they wouldn't have gotten yeah. in. Um, all right, last one, and this one is only for you because I don't live in Texas. It's not my place to comment on any of the political decisions or social decisions made by the citizenry right. of the Lone Star State. So you're all alone. On this one, how smart one or stupid 10 is your home state of Texas for allowing full capacity at the Texas Rangers games beginning whenever they begin? Well, I think it's stupid, so I'm going to go with 10. But having said all that, there are tickets available because the Texas Rangers are not very good. <laughs> and a lot of people don't want to go sit in a full crowd. So this game is not sold out. We'll see how many people actually show up to this game. They gave up. They scored five runs in the first yesterday, gave up five runs in the first, and lost 14-10, gave up two touchdowns. So Mike Nolan might have gone for the Cowboys to the Rangers. <laughs> that's great amy trask chiming in with the lucille ball she is excellent with the lucille ball gifts and what yes, makes those is. even better is 85 percent of the people who use twitter have no idea who lucille ball yeah. is but but you're but you're right of all teams to go full capacity it's a team that can't sell out anyway great seats <laughs> yeah. still available at uh, the texas rangers home stadium let's take a break when we return ty hilton officially a member of the Colts again with a new quarterback making comparisons between Carson Wentz and his old quarterback from a few years ago, Andrew Luck. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. conversations been like with Carson uh, over the last couple of weeks and, and what excites you about getting to work with him going forward? Uh, we've been we've been 
um, talking since, you know, uh, he, he, uh, we, we got him here. So, uh, no, he just wanted to um, be able to uh, play football with me. And, you know, we just constantly texting. And he was just always there with, throughout the free agency. Uh, man, I hope we can get you here, man. I, I want you to stay here. I want to be able to um, throw passes to you and just constantly, you know, us want to get together and just, and just play. So, um, you know, I look forward to it and it uh, should be fun. What do you know about his skill set as a, a quarterback that he can bring to your offense? Uh, he has some um, Andrew Luck traits, man. You know, he's to get out of the pocket, uh, make, make the incredible throws. You know, he, he's a special talent, man, especially when he's standing up in the pocket delivering throws and his ability to uh, avoid guys and make plays with his legs or with his arms. So uh, he, he's a special talent. Oh, the comparison of Carson Wentz to Andrew Luck. The Andrew Luck traits, as Josh Alper said on the PFT text message chain yesterday, frequently injured, quit on his team, checks out. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but, but look, if, if Wentz is healthy and if Wentz can get back to 2019 and previously, Colts are a team that needs to be taken extremely seriously, not just as a division champion, but as a team that can be in that conversation with the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Bills as the best teams in the AFC, Shireen. Yeah, no question about it. I think they've got the best talent, uh, at least in their division, and, and among the best talent in the AFC, the question goes back to how good is your quarterback. I mean, you look at what they did in the postseason. They could have won that game against the Bills, but they didn't get it done. The quarterback didn't take them there, Phillip Rivers, and so – if Carson Wentz can play like he did in his MVP-like season when he finished fourth in MVP voting, then the Colts have a good chance here to do something special this season, Mike. I, I would put them right up there with the Bills and the, and the Chiefs among the favorites in that conference if, if he can return. But again, we're talking about ifs. It, can he get back to that level where he once was? Can Frank Wright save his career? And one of the best 17th games this year is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Colts. Tom Brady back in the building where he lost a Super Bowl. Tom Brady versus Carson Wentz, the Super Bowl quarterback matchup that wasn't because of the Wentz knee injury. There are some great angles there and also the longstanding rivalry between the Colts and the Patriots. And and there was interest by Brady and the Colts and the Colts were lukewarm about it because they didn't want to get burned again by another Patriot situation where... The organization gets involved to keep it from happening. But Carson Wentz, when he's good, he's very good. And last year, for whatever reason, he was awful. Frank Reich in a position to turn him around, turn the team around, and they could be. I mean, think about it. Look at the division they're in. They, they should. They should. Now, the Titans are, are, are still the Titans, but the Jaguars are a work in progress. The Texans have imploded. The Colts should at least win enough to get a playoff spot. The question is, can they overcome the Titans and win the division? It went down to the wire last year. And uh, maybe it won't this year. Maybe it'll be a, a runaway by the Colts if Wentz plays like he did in past years, Shereen. And I think Peyton Manning has to be very jealous of the offensive line in Indianapolis, which Carson Wentz is going to soon find out is among the best in football. And that's what he didn't have in Philadelphia. Led the league last season with 50 sacks. And we know he held the ball too long. He didn't have the weapons either. But much improved team for him, and I think that's only going to help. He's going to have confidence in those guys, and he's going to have more time, Mike. 
So what you're saying is there likely won't be a post-game press conference after a playoff loss during which Carson Wentz says, I'm trying to be a good teammate here. Let's just say we had some problems in protection, which uh, which really created a firestorm. I mean, think about some of the things that quarterbacks have said recently about their offensive lines, like Russell Wilson. Peyton Manning was, was bashed repeatedly for that slap at his blockers. All right, which of the quarterbacks in new places have the best – weapons around them Shireen and I to me it's one that stands out because the rest who the hell knows what they're going to have around them well I'm curious to see which one you say I'm going to go with Washington I really like what they've done I like the addition of Curtis Samuel just because I bring I think he brings so much to the offense what Antonio Gibson did last season I just remember him running over the Cowboys I think that was the Thanksgiving Day game just ran wild against the Cowboys I think he's a really good back I think Logan Thomas has developed into a great tight end. I, I just like the weapons that, that Washington has. Maybe it's the best weapons that Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever had. I don't know. They were pretty good in Tampa when he was there, and, and they, he wasn't able to get it done there consistently, and Jameis got his job back, and we know how that, all that turned out. Tom Brady finally took most of those weapons and won a Super Bowl with them. But I like the, the weapons in Washington. I was so clouded by the Rams with Matthew Stafford and adding Deshaun Jackson and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I didn't think about Washington, but you're right. And I think it's it, for me, it's even between Stafford and Fitzpatrick. The, the reality, though, is uh, Fitzpatrick may be the weak link when you consider how good those weapons yeah. potentially can be. You throw in Terry McLaurin, and that's a great, great set of skill position players in Washington. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Chiefs proposing that players at a variety of positions be allowed to wear single-digit numbers. We're going to have a draft of the players, both current and past, that would have looked the best with single digits on their jerseys. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after You know, it was April Fool's Day when the proposals came out. So some people thought it was an April Fool's gag. But the Chiefs have actually proposed that running backs, tight ends, receivers, linebackers, defensive backs be allowed to wear single digits. And there are plenty of NFL players who wore single digits in college who love the development, retweeted our story with all sorts of great comments. And even Orlando Brown says that the offensive linemen should get dibs on the single digit numbers. They would be excluded as would the defensive linemen, but plenty of players that there will be, if this ever happens, can you imagine the effort that they're going to have to engage in to decide who gets what number? Cause everybody's going to want the single digit numbers. You're going to have running backs, receivers, tight ends, defensive backs, and linebackers all clamoring for nine single-digit numbers. So our draft today, players who would look the best with single-digit numbers now or in the past. Shireen, I'll give you the first pick. There's so many good ones, Mike, and I want to know why the number two is so popular, but it is popular. So I'm going to start there with Deion Sanders because number two at Florida State is retired, and it's retired for Deion Sanders. He wore, of course, 21 for the 49ers, Cowboys, and the Washington football team. Here's your trivia question since we didn't have it, Mike. What number did he wear for the Ravens, and why didn't he wear 21? Wow. Uh, he wore – what did he wear? Did he wear 24 because Chris McAllister had 21? You're right about Chris McAllister. He wore 37, but that's the reason he uh. didn't wear 21 was because of Chris McAllister. 
McAllister, but he looked great. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. He looked great in that two jersey, and I think he would have looked great in the two jersey in the NFL if he'd been allowed to wear it, Mike. All right, and that's an obvious one. That would have been my first pick. The next pick, Reggie Bush and the number five, because this whole debate started in 2006 when the ubiquitous Mike Ornstein was representing Reggie Bush for marketing purposes and was making an aggressive push to get the NFL to change its rules then so that Reggie Bush could continue to wear number five. The NFL said no. He wore number 25, but bring back Reggie and put him in number five. He's the guy this rule was made for. They should call it the Reggie Bush rule, even though it's 15 years after the fact. Yes, indeed. I I can see him in that number two and will look great in the NFL wearing that number. Next round, you're up. Number two is number two again. Again, number two. I'm going to have all number twos, I think, today. Charles Woodson. He won the Heisman in number two, right? Remember the Heisman pose that he made at Michigan, and then he got to the NFL, and he had to play in 24 with the Raiders and 21 with the Packers. He played 18 seasons in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Great player, but I think he would have looked much better in the number two in the NFL, Mike. Yeah, I agree with you there. And again, I don't know what it is about number two, but but and I think it's just there was an article in the New York Times a couple of years ago about how college players want the single digit numbers and the competitions they have, the things they do to get the single digit numbers. For whatever reason, players are smitten with that. That's why I think it caught so much fire yesterday, because it's off limits for anyone except quarterbacks and kickers in the NFL If they do this, there's going to be a lot of guys that want it. I'm going to go Jerome Bettis, number six at Notre Dame, 36 in the NFL. But, you know, a guy that big, you almost wouldn't be able to see the number, a little six in the middle of this gigantic torso. But uh, to see that guy rumbling down the field in the single-digit number would have just been awesome. And, and again, uh, a rule that, uh, that, uh, you know, is, is too late for some of these guys, but Bettis would have been awesome in six. And I'm going to stay with the number two again, Mike. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry because he wore number two at Alabama uh, and he wore number two during his rookie camp, if you remember, and the preseason. And then, of course, the NFL made him change into a different number and and now he has 22. And he says that's a tribute to a former Alabama running back who was killed in a car crash. They were very, very close, had met at the Nike camp, and that's the reason he wears that number 22 now. So I will be curious if he's allowed to change number if he changes to two. But think of all the jersey sales, Mike. If a guy like Derrick Henry changes from 22 to two, how much jersey sales they're going to have just for these guys changing numbers? And I'm glad you made that point. I almost wrote about this last night, and maybe I will now, because I remember there was a time when players would propose changing their numbers. The league actually said, you've got to pay wholesale cost of all the jerseys that have already been made with your prior number. And you have to do that before we let you change your number. And plenty of guys said, I'm, I'm sticking with the number that I have. Thank you very much. I'm not writing that check. For something like this, I think the folks at Nike say, just give those other jerseys away for free. We're going to sell a hell of a lot more if you've got single-digit numbers for these star players. So I think that it would not be an issue this time around. Um, I'm going to go less – Less obvious than the ones we've done so far, but uh, for the folks who followed the Minnesota Vikings, specifically in the mid-80s and into the early 90s, Anthony Carter put him in number one like he wore at Michigan. And the thing about Anthony Carter, he had 
He had the strangest build of any football player I can remember. He was just all arms and legs, but he was only 5'10". And he had this short torso where I can remember games where the bottom of his number, the 8 and the 1, were actually tucked into his pants. That's how That's how he just <laughs> this frame was so different, but uh, he should have been in number 1. All of mine are historical guys, but but yeah, I the and and you know that there will be receivers out there. What what kind of deals are going to be done on teams where there's already a kicker or a quarterback who wears number one? It, it's going to open a new universe of negotiations between players for numbers that may already be claimed that they would like to get their hands on if it happens. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is one of those that is too outside the box. Maybe it happened a few years from now. But I'd be shocked if there's 23 teams that will say, let's do it, unless they see how much money they can make off of jersey sales. And maybe that's the impetus for it. That's what it'll have to take, Mike, is the money they'll make. It always comes down to money. I think we're going to do round four. So I'm going to go away from I don't have number any more. two. This kind of takes me away. You don't have any more? Well, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins because he was number six at Clemson. So I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he would look great in that number six again. Now, he's given multiple reasons why he now wears the number 10. He initially said uh, he wore it as a tribute to soccer great Lionel Messi, and then he came back and said he did it because a cousin of his served 10 years in prison, and he didn't think it was right that he got 10 years for $600 uh, of drugs. So whatever reason he wears 10, I think he would be willing to switch back to that number six he wore in college. I'll go Jadavian Clowney, put him in number seven, because really the biggest moment awesome. of his football career came in that jersey when he popped the guy's helmet off, rock'em, sock'em, robot style, and eventually it feels like he's destined to play for seven different teams. So it works on multiple levels. <laughs> sure. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday awesome. edition. That would be awesome. And we, we don't know which team it would be for. Maybe the Browns. Maybe right. maybe he would pick his team based upon which team has number seven available. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. Fool's gag. April Fool's gag. Guess what, kids? Your dad's an ass. <laughs> because nothing is going to change that 15 seconds of their lives where they thought that Baker Mayfield had been traded to the Steelers. He tosses the remote. That's what you get, Dad. He should have aimed right for the spot where we always see dad get hit with something by their kids. Get ready for that, Matt Casey. It's coming once your kids start swinging that big plastic bat around. <laughs> we'll start wearing a cup. Anyway, uh, I'm glad April Fool's Day is over because you spend the whole day, Shireen, everything that happened. I thought Roy Williams wasn't really retiring from North Carolina because it was April 1. Why would anyone announce anything of significance regarding their lives on the first day of April? Yeah, because that's the first thing you think of is an April Fool's joke. 
That was a Todd Gurley tech, uh, tweet yesterday. We immediately said, hey, is this an April Fool's joke? And it turns out it was. The best one of the day. And there were some lame ones. And Tom Brady, you're a great quarterback, but comedy is beyond your grasp. The Michael Strahan long con with the removal of the gap in his teeth. I mean, he was bought into this. We saw the video emerge earlier in the week. He was at the dentist. He had that big, nasty pink goop in his mouth. And they were doing the ultraviolet stuff, like they're getting the bonding of the the gap filler. And they had the picture of him with the gap filled. And and it's like, hey, Michael Strahan, what, man, well, he's a TV star now. He's getting his gap filled. And he put a video on last night where he had a mask on. He had this long explanation, even longer than this explanation. And the next thing you know, he's still got the gap. That was the best April Fool's Day joke of the year because, number one, he set it up. He put time and effort into it, and I didn't see it coming. Most of them you see coming. I didn't see that one coming. Well, and it didn't hurt anybody, right? So it was perfect. It was the greatest April Fool's Day joke yesterday that I saw. And he ultimately said it was his mom that loves the gap. He's keeping the gap. The gap stays. And you're, and you're right. You're right. You don't, you don't have two little kids crying on the ground throwing uh, remote control because their dad uh, <laughs> is an ass. All right, Houston and Baylor, who does an Aggie root for when they meet on the hardwood? Oh, I think the Aggie fans are rooting for the Houston Cougars to win this. It's an old Southwest Conference battle, Mike, but I think Baylor's going to take them, and I think Baylor will end up in the final, Mike. And it's Gonzaga and UCLA in the other semifinal. Is that right? Yeah. That's the extent of my knowledge of basketball. And by the way, Shireen, by the way, even though my OSU pick failed miserably, Ohio State, that OSU – Gonzaga is my other final team, so it wasn't as much of a disaster as I thought it would be. See you Monday. Happy Easter. Enjoy the weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.